Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. Bye, Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. As preseason ends, we take one giant step into the podcast world. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. On one giant step from 2400 Sports and Odyssey. Ah, yes. Cut down days are here, which stinks for many, but is good for us as we get to refocus and repurpose and look ahead to another season of Giants football. Paul, how are you, baby? Good morning, Sean. You know, this is always a, a day of trepidation as guys get that pink slip. And, you know, many years ago when I first started doing this, there would be guys in the, uh, the dorm rooms when the Giants used to have their training camps in different college locations who would actually hide under the bed, worried that the Turk was coming to ask for their playbook. Now, that doesn't happen these days. Obviously, the game has progressed since then. But uh, my goodness, the nerves are still quite the ragged with a bunch of players who are still hoping that their dreams could be kept alive. Yeah, and we're just going to hope to avoid the Turk by October and keep this podcast going for ourselves here, Paul. So I think that's, that's where we're at. So before we get into, obviously, whatever happened with the Jets in preseason game number three on Sunday, we are taping this on a Monday as we plan to throughout the season. Giants fans, if you're listening, trying to get two out a week, one a recap, one looking forward to the season before we highlight Davis Webb mania on Sunday, Paul is fresh off the Brian Dable Monday press conference, which ended with, with Brian Dable saying, Joe's open for business. Give him a call. So Paul, you were there, uh, you know, basically early takeaways on what you heard from Brian Dable. Now that the preseason is complete. Anything interesting that we should highlight and discuss here? Well, I don't think there's any question. You and I both know, Sean, the giants are not a finished product. 
I don't think that the 53 that they will have by 4 o'clock tomorrow will be the 53 that they take to Tennessee opening day. I, I, I can't imagine that it will be. I, I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I, I never heard it put this way, but on my drive home today, I caught a little bit of Bob Papa, and he, obviously the voice of the New York Giants, said we keep calling it the final 53. It's the first 53, Correct. which I think is the perfect way to put it. It absolutely yeah. is. Uh, and I've learned my lesson, especially the last five years. You know, during the Coughlin era, there wasn't as much of that. But the last five years, yeah. I mean, last year, right, the Giants had a Quincy Roche. Uh, oh, I forgot the linebacker's name, Jamie, uh, whatever. I'm forgetting his name. But he had the suspension over, over the summer. But they went through that. And I expect plenty of the same this this go around as well. Yeah. Well, Bob stole that from me because I copyrighted right? years right? ago. But since right? we worked together and have for like over 30 years, it's okay. Uh, but yes, this is the first 53. I always call it the final 53 when you get to that first weekend of the regular season schedule. In any event, Sean, I'm looking at this right now and I'm saying to myself, um, they've got to add some depth in the secondary, both at corner and at safety. I also believe that they could use another offensive lineman. Now, that, of course, simply goes by looking at the depth chart without taking into consideration the number of injuries, the bumps, the bruises, and the nicks that this team has right now because we also know their receiving core is banged up. We know their linebacking core is banged up. And that may or may not play a role in what they do during the first month of the season. So that adds a whole level of intrigue to this that otherwise we would not have if it was a healthy team. But in regards to your comment about the GM being open for business, which is what Dable had said during his presser, it's clear the Giants are moving and shaking. This is a new administration. They don't have any ties to players who were brought in by the previous administration or the coaching staff. And so they are going to make football decisions based on what they believe is best for this team right now. And I just don't think they're going to be married to, quote, keeping a guy because they want to give him the benefit of a doubt. Yeah, and on that note, I was borderline surprised Friday, but I think maybe a sign of things to come, hey, don't be shocked at some of these cuts that even they've brought in. I'm kind of surprised that Andrew Adams had gotten cut on Friday and that they're willing to go with young guys. And they cut Yusuf Corker was on the first round of cuts here. Maybe that is a Trenton Thompson. Maybe that is a meeting. But like in this realm of space here, Paul, I am very concerned about the cornerback position and the tight end position clearly. And at the same token, I don't know that there are going to be necessarily cuts all over the league that make it that big a difference, especially if they don't have the cap room to operate. Now, also should be noted, you can sign a guy after week one, a veteran, and then he won't count full time. And that's something else to keep an eye on that could happen. So when you hear Joe Shane's open for business, immediately I think people are going to assume, hey, maybe a Darius Slayton trade, something like that. But I think just based off the Andrew Adams cut, there could be some some other surprises here, Paul, that even you and I aren't foreseeing. Well, Andrew Adams, I will tell you, while he is a veteran, experienced, a lot of knowledge, very smart, astute player, and a good special teams guy, the truth of the matter is, watching him at practice every day, you could see he had lost a step. And in deep coverage, when you're that deep safety, that's a problem. And so that's why they decided, in my opinion, to hold on to Trenton Thompson for at least a little bit longer. Now, again, I don't know what's going to happen to him over the course of the next day or the next week. But I do believe, you know, coming out of San Diego State, he had been a red shirt, used the COVID year. So he's got a lot of experience. He's older than most rookies. And I know that they liked him on special teams. 
So if you weigh him against Andrew Adams, you're looking at Thompson being a cheaper guy, a younger guy, obviously more healthy because he hasn't played a number of years in the league. I understood why Thompson outlasted Adams on the depth chart. But what I don't know is, will Thompson get kicked out of his spot by somebody that they claim in the next couple of days? Right. And in your mind, Paul, as the waiver wire cuts come, and obviously this is this is a weird question because there could be a better player at a certain position of need that they jump all over compared to another. But I really, really believe, more so than any other position, it's cornerback for me that scares yeah. me to death on this team. And I am looking for some kind of veteran to come in uh, I, and I know he wasn't the greatest player in the world, but a couple of years ago when they added Isaac Yadam, like that's the kind of guy for some reason. I think the Giants need that right now. I am so scared of Aaron Robinson. And forget that. If Robinson or Dory Jackson were to get hurt, I mean, are we a Cordell Flott away from starting on the outside here? Uh, in your mind, is corner the biggest position of need entering these waiver cuts? I, I think it's just defensive back in general. Because remember, Dane Belton, the rookie right. that they drafted out of Iowa, when they drafted him, they wanted him to be the third safety behind Love and McKinney. But yeah. because of a fractured collarbone, Sean, he hasn't been on the field for weeks. And those are important reps for a rookie, too. It's not a matter of, hey, he's back week two, throw him out there. I mean, he's, he's, how much more does he have to learn on the NFL Exactly. Game? Exactly. And knowing Wick Martindale, the defensive coordinator, as well as I do, he would like that third safety to be on the field in a number of his packages. So right now... To me, Thompson's the third safety, and that's pretty dangerous. Scary, the Giants. Scary. I do think they've got the three starting corners. I'm a huge proponent of Aaron Robinson. I know he's had a tough preseason, been very up and down, but but I've watched him every day in practice. Wink Martindale has seconded my opinion. He has had a great training camp. I believe in Adore Jackson being able to step up and be in corner one, and I think that Darnay Holmes – has had a really strong training camp as well at the slot. Now, you mentioned Flott. Cordell Flott is as raw as, as a piece of celery. And so, <laughs> going with the health food analogies early, Paul, we're only uh, into you know, we'll, we'll get some Italian food in there at some okay. point during the All season, right. trust me. But, but the point is, Flott's going to make rookie mistakes. There's no question about that. And you're going to have to live with that if he's forced to play. So I would say right now, for me, the safety might be a little bit more important than the corner because at least I know they've got three corners they can put out there. And Flott, he's got potential, but he's going to make rookie mistakes. Right now, I really don't know if Thompson's even the third safety. You mentioned tight end before. I do want to say this, Sean. Yeah. You're right. Tight end's an area of concern but I don't put it as high as the other three positions. I would agree. Because Dable, it seems to me, he's not necessarily going to feature the tight end as much in this offense as maybe past Giants teams have. He might only go with two on the roster. Well, that would be kind of surprising, only two. But that being said, I do agree with you wholeheartedly, especially when, and look, I know a lot of them are banged up and you can't count on them being healthy. This is a team, whether you like them or not, and we will have a bigger conversation about it. They are deep at wide receiver, at least as far as bodies go and whatnot. And you should be able to make those plays and Saquon look, I mean, if there's any year, he's going to have to be a playmaker. It's this year. I'm not as concerned also. And look, I know that interception was brutal in week two of the preseason. As far as uh, Bellinger went with having the ball pop up in his hands, he had a nice effort on Sunday. 
And I think bringing him along will be just fine. And then and again, look, star studded fine. I, we also got to realize this roster is always a work in progress. And the next couple of years, by the way, we could be two years away from tight end being the first round pick of the Giants. This is going to be <laughs> a long process in building up the bodies and you can't cover everything in one off season. Okay. On that note, we're looking at roster cuts. To me, one thing I'm really fascinated by and what they will do over the next 24 or so hours. Is Quincy Roche not going to make this football team in favor of O'Shane Zimenez? Because if he isn't, Paul, the only issue I have there is it's a $1 million guarantee with O'Shane Zimenez. And if we're so focused on Darius Slate and the $2.5 million, to me, is Zimenez that big a better player than Quincy Roche that the, the cap savings there wouldn't work out? Well, Sean, I kind of think there's a really good chance that both Zimenez and Roche make the team. And I know that a lot of people think it's got to be one or the other. There are a few reasons why I go this way. Number one, I've got 10 linebackers on the team. And that's because Wink Martindale is a very, very heavy linebacker scheming defensive coordinator. And and Cam Brown counts as one of those spots because you need him on special teams at this point. Absolutely. Cam Brown is one of my 10. Uh, He, look. We've seen, and I'm not going to give out any trade secrets here because you guys saw it some during the preseason as well, even against the Jets in the finale. There are times where he's going to have nobody with their hand on the ground up front. Sometimes there'll be one. Sometimes there'll be two. Sometimes there'll be three. Sometimes there'll be four. Might even be five. That's what Wake Martindale does. This guy is a Rubik's Cube with his front seven. Well, in order to maximize those combinations, he will go heavy with linebackers. Now, Zimenez has more pure tools and athleticism than Roche does. But Roche is stronger. He's physically more stout. He's better against the run. And he's very good at hand fighting. Now, he has shorter arms, so his toolbox isn't quite as sexy as Zimenez's toolbox is. But Roche is a real scrapper. Yeah. And, and I think both guys have a legit chance to make the 53. I believe Zimenez is a better special teams player than Roche, which is also going to give him another crumb on the plate. Yeah, and I look at it this way, Paul. Obviously, the hope is that Kayvon and Ojolari are ready for week one, but both guys being hurt scares you a bunch. And I've seen O'Shea and Zimenez play obviously with the New York Giants, every down that he's played. And there is one play that Quincy Roche made versus, I believe it was the Raider game last year where he essentially wins the game that I haven't seen Zimenez make at all through his first couple of years, which was enough to tell me the raw talent is there. Now, I think it's time to transition and have the maybe the elephant in the room wide receiver conversation. Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton. Obviously, we've lost Colin Johnson out of this equation Where's Kadarius Tony at? So let me let's dice this all up one by one here. Number one, unless I'm crazy, I think that Brian Dable just maybe had an awkward answer to Jordan Renan in the media on Sunday about Kenny Galladay. And I know that Galladay necessarily hasn't been the best of performance this offseason, but salary alone, I can't imagine a world where he's actually gone off this football team, Paul. Can you? I totally agree with you. There's, I, I can't even begin to think about that possibility. The way the contract is worded and structured, he's locked into the Giants, and he needs to be wide receiver number one. Yeah. You know, Sean, I appreciate the fact that he has had a very inconsistent August. There is no question. I thought he had a pretty good spring during the offseason watching OTAs and the minicamps, and it looked like 
him and Daniel Jones, who worked together during the offseason a lot. Remember, right. Galladay. Which is played, important. Well, Galladay played through four injuries last year and clearly, clearly let that impact him. And then when the offense fell off a cliff, when um, uh, Glennon became the quarterback, yeah. it all went south. I kind of look at last year as a throwaway for Galladay. I know it's hard to say that because he was expected to be a star, but I look at it as a throwaway. I'm already forgetting about that. I gave him a clean slate when the new administration came in. He he stayed here during the offseason and worked with Daniel Jones, which I thought was very important. Yeah. He got healthy. He seemed very focused. Again, OTA's minicamp, good. Gets to camp, and all of a sudden, inconsistencies. In the preseason games, inconsistencies. Too many days that did not check the box, which, of course, raised a lot of questions. Yeah. What is it going to be this year? I'll tell you something, Sean. In my mind, I'm now in show-me phase on Kenny Galladay. He needs to be the guy who had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons with Detroit and is paid to be wide receiver number one. He's young enough. He's healthy again. Him and the quarterback are on the same page. There are reasons to believe he can be that guy. But so far in August, he has not shown to be that guy. And, Paul, for those looking for me and you to fight back and forth on certain guys here in episode one, they're going to be sadly mistaken because I'm with you on Kenny Galladay. I will tell you that after the draft, obviously, first of all, I'm still very excited about Kadarius Toney. And one of my buddies brought up a good point. I think it's you can make the case that Kadarius Toney is one of these guys right now that might be in the NFL Top five as far as could be, you know, one of the best 10 players in the NFL or a complete, you know, injury prone bust. But that being said, I was interested in him and Galladay and seeing that Galladay was doing everything with Daniel Jones this offseason, staying around. To me, that seemed like commitment. The only thing I, I will say is maybe he's a veteran that just felt like he was going through the motions. Maybe he shouldn't really be that way. But on the flip side, he's never been a guy for all those, you know, little clips that people have seen on Twitter. He's never been a big separation guy. He's been a contested catch guy. Right. And all, and all the slants he caught in the Jason Garrett offense. I'm sorry. Do we have eyeballs that look like a different kind of receiver that the Giants hadn't had in years? He looked like a true alpha. So I'm with you. I Look, I was very excited heading into camp. I am now extremely hesitant. But I am not ready to dump cold water and assume that Kenny Galladay will stink and be a bust. And nor do I take Brian Dable's comments on Sunday as an assumption that, you know, Galladay is suddenly on the move. I think the Giants need him. They need him and Tony healthy, especially because I think if you're expecting a lot out of Wandell Robinson, other than the, you know, the force plays of which I think you're asking a lot, especially early. And who knows what Sterling Shepard is going to be. Number one, Sterling Shepard has barely been healthy. Number two, coming off that kind of injury, as we saw Lorenzo Carter a year ago, it is going to take take some time. So to me, Paul, I actually think that if the Giants are going to have a successful year and a more successful year than you, I, or anybody else expects, Kenny Galladay, along with Kadarius Toney, almost have to be the reasons why with this team becoming a 2022 NFL offense throwing the ball. I don't think there's any question that, you know, they want to be a very exciting and dynamic passing attack. To do that, you need the skyscraper in the room to play big. It's really that simple. They got enough of Smurfs between Shepard and Tony and Robinson. They got Smurfs. But the big guy in the room 
has to play like the big guy in the room. Yeah. He's got to be physical versus the number one corners in the league and go up there and in, the red, and in the red zone, especially can't be dropping balls like he did week one. I mean, Kenny Galladay in many drives in this season, Paul, is going to be the difference between seven points and three points. And those add up to being the difference in wins and losses. I couldn't agree with you more, Sean, honestly, because we saw what Plexico Burris did for Eli Manning, how much he helped take his game to another level. Because remember, when Manning was playing with the Giants, I know Amani Toomer had some size, and I'm not belittling him in any way, but Amani did not have the catch radius that Burris had. Burris had a much larger catch radius. And when you put that weapon into Manning's arsenal, it took him to a whole nother level. I'd like to believe that if Galladay and Jones are on the same page, beginning week one against Tennessee, we will see them click. If they do, it takes this team to another level. It really does. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind it does. And just to piggyback on that before we transition a little bit, when talking about the quarterback position, I think one observation I had from the preseason, uh, and you really felt bad for Tyrod Taylor getting hurt, but Paul, I think that we can really, really put to bed, unless there's a Daniel Jones injury, any idea that Tyrod Taylor is the better quarterback than Daniel Jones for this football team. I mean, and I understand he's playing behind backups and playing with backups, but Tyrod Taylor, his his best ability is his escapability to extend plays. You saw that, honestly, with the play he got injured on. But man, there's just, there's not a lot of deep ball pizzazz there where Daniel Jones possesses the RPO stuff. I think Jones is better at. Jones is even the better athlete. Uh, with those wide receivers, man, if Daniel Jones is healthy, I'm not, tell, I'm not talking about 2023 and beyond, but I do think you're set up potentially for Daniel Jones's best season as a pro, which included a pretty good rookie year besides the fumbles. Are we agreeing too much? I, this sucks, Paul. Everybody's expecting <laughs> to fight nonstop. By the way, they go out to Nashville and lose 45 to 10. We'll be screaming at each other. But right yeah. now, you were a lockstep. <laughs> you know, I, I will tell you this. Tyrod Taylor, since the moment he got to the Giants, has performed very, very well. Um, he's got a good arm. Uh, he, can, he can make all the throws. He has been consistently accurate during training camp. Getting to watch him at practice every day. He throws a very nice ball, spins it well, tight spiral, usually very accurate. You're right about his mobility, no doubt. But I do think that he tends to pull it down and take off with his legs a little quicker than I think I would like to see him do. That's one of the reasons why I think you, you I'm a pop, pocket passer guy. I'm an old school guy, you know. So I'm always going to favor the pocket passer, of which Daniel Jones is predominantly a pocket passer. Although, ironically, when he gets hurt, it's because he's deciding not to be. Although, yeah, really. That needs to be. And, but, Tell but, me about but, it. Exactly. But I, I again, I watched Tyrod Taylor enough to think, to me, there's just there is a noticeable drop-off. And it doesn't mean I'm yeah. unhappy with him as the backup quarterback, but it means oh, any yeah. giant fan listening to this tweet about stop the nonsense now. Exactly. That, that Tyrod Taylor should be the starting uh, quarterback. I do think, though, Sean, that Tyrod Taylor is one of the top 10 backups in the league. And yeah, you can sure. probably even consider him to, to challenge for a starting job among some of the lower teams in the league. Tyrod yeah. Taylor is, is, is got some skills now. He's, the, he's, not, he's not by any stretch of the imagination Mike Glennon or Colt McCoy. And look, I will, again, be very grateful that we have Tyrod Taylor if Daniel Jones goes down for a week or two, which he sure. has the last couple of years, for sure. I, you know, It's just more or less the idea of like who's best suited for this team to start. Come on, give me a break. Now, 
with that being said, is there anything, Paul, that this team could do positional-wise in the next 24 hours? Now, you might be telling me you think the Giants are winning 13 games anyway. We love the classic Paul Dottino record stuff. Is there anything the Giants can do that actually may sway your opinion, positive or negative, one way or another, on a potential record outcome the way you, you see this team now? Well, again, we talked earlier in this program about the weak spots that they need to be looking at for free agents and waiver wire claims. I think it's critical, knowing what Wink Martindale wants to do with his defense and watching practice, I've gotten to see a wide variety of things that, that, again, he wants to do. Player deployment is so important. If he does not have that reliable third safety that he can count on, if he does not have that fourth corner who he can count on, there are going to be some limitations. So, yeah, th- there, there's definitely a claim in the secondary. I'll give you a name, and it's not even a claim. I thought that Desmond Trufant, mm. who's been a veteran free agent out on the street all during the offseason, would be a guy to watch. 31 years old, has experience in this league, has had injury troubles, but certainly has put together a solid resume. I thought all along he would be a smart guy to bring in to help the corners. I don't have a safety name for you right now because I haven't seen all the guys who are going to be released in the next 24 hours. But look, if they picked up a guy like, remember a few years ago, Leon Hall in 2016? You know, if there's somebody along those lines, remember when they brought Deion Grant back? Yeah, really into the preseason, and he helped. Well, not, not not to cut you off, but a pretty decently big name safety was just released right before we were on the air. Uh, was it Tart from the Eagles, who was with the Niners for the last? Was he? Uh, yeah, Jaquiski Tart was being released released by the Eagles within the hour. So that was okay. a guy in Eagle Camp that was a good starter for the Niners for the last seven years. So that could be the kind of veteran name you're talking about that comes in like a Dion Grant did. Yeah, I mean, so to, so in answer to your question, I absolutely believe that depending upon what's available in that pool, if they get the right guy or two to help the depth chart in the secondary, that guy probably won't just be a backup. He might work his way into the rotation in a number of packages. Yeah. So that's why I say to you, that type of, of signing could make somewhat of a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And look, this is also the reason, uh, and I guess we could bring this up here as well, that Darius Leighton is in rumors. I think even more so than talent, it, it keeps coming back to how tight this team is with room to operate on the salary cap. And if you're that deep at wide receiver, him making the 2.5 million, that's the kind of stuff that could free up and allow you to make moves. Also extending a Leonard Williams might be needed or something like that. So Paul, as it stands right now, my answer by that, by the way, is similar to you. I still value corner more than safety because I'm t- I, even though I, I like Robinson, if Robinson or Jackson get hurt, I, I just feel like this is going to be a disastrous defensive situation. And I saw Wink in Baltimore when his corners got hurt. Yeah. And that thing fell apart quick. Yeah. I kind of look at the Giants, Paul, by the way, as like a six-win team that could have an eight-nine-win season if everybody stayed healthy. And, oh, by the way, they figured out how to you know add some depth on the O-line and a D-back or two. Things could break well with that with that schedule. I really do believe that. Maybe that's overly positive, but ultimately, I think still think it's about a six win team a year away. That being said, do you think Darius Slayton is for sure gone off this football team, whether it's via trade or cut? Uh, I think he's in deep trouble. To be honest with you, um, I, he was so inconsistent during the course of the last two seasons, and then the inconsistencies continued during this offseason and yeah. training camp. So, you know, again, they've got no ties to him. So they can save $2.5 million by offing him from the roster 
and we know how tight they are. That's with a heck of a way to put it, Paul. Offing them from the roster. Now the Italian's coming out. You're off. <laughs> well, you know how sometimes you just make guys disappear and you just yeah. never hear from them again? Yes. So, you know, I I, 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 and again, think about this, Sean. I think there are eight guys in that wide receiver room who could all play wide receiver in the National Football League. I really believe that. There's a lot of talent there. Yeah. But every single one of these guys has a caveat that could raise a question as to what they will do, whether it's injuries, whether it's their inconsistent production, or whether it's like Wondell Robinson's a rookie. And rookies will make mistakes, so he's unproven. And every one of the Giants receivers has one of those caveats which was what makes it so difficult because they've got quantity, but which of those guys can you count on? And given the business uh, situation that you have outlined and, and I have uh, uh, you know compounded, I do think it's very unlikely that Slayton is, uh, sticks with this team. I know an NFC team has been actually very interested in him long before training camp even started. They were making overtures. So, no, it would not surprise me if he gets dealt. Darius Slayton has probably seen the end of his Giants tenure. All right, Paul, we're going to close with this thought, and it might be outdated by the time some people listen to this. And you're going to probably, you know, take a number two all over mine because you're a lot closer connected to this. But I want to get either a surprise make or a surprise cut out of you for the Giants, and I'll give you kind of an off-the-wall one as well. Surprise make. It's well, it could be make or cut. You don't have to go both. Whatever. You well, I, well I, I think you've already hit that. You thought it was surprising when I told you that Zimenez and Roche might both make both the make team. team. I'll give you one start. other. If okay. I'll give you one other, if you want, I yeah. think Alex Bachman's going to make this team. Wow, Bach in the New York group. You think he actually makes? So, how many receivers do you think they're going to keep? Seven. Um, right now, I have seven on my list. Okay. I have seven on my list right oh, now, and I think that Bachman's going to squeak in there. I think C.J. Board's rib injury from last week yeah. is, is really going to harm his chances. And Bachman, not only did he have his 100-yard game in preseason game number two, he also did some good things against the Jets, and he's willing to play all four core special right. teams units, which is something that used to give Board an advantage, but now that he's hurt, I'm not so sure that he makes the 53. I like Bachman, and I wouldn't be opposed to that. But just to briefly, it would be Galladay, it would be Tony, it would be Shepard, it would be Wondell Robinson, it would be Richie James. Yeah. Okay, Alex Bachman, and then your seventh, are you going David Sills? Yep. Okay. Well, Sills and Bachman on the team? Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Well, here's the thing, Sean. You're asking for my first 53. You didn't ask for my final. Okay. All right, so that's true. So, so in other words, you think Bachman or Sills starts and then gets released on a waiver claim kind of deal? At what what I think is when they need the spot back, they might wind up putting Sills down and see if they can sneak him onto the practice squad. I'm not sure that he gets to Tennessee, but I do think he might survive tomorrow. All right, I'm going to give you a surprise cut, and obviously I'm not there like you, and you could tell me right away you're crazy, you're nuts. But just from watching this preseason I could make the case, injured, lack of reps, and seeing what we saw from other guys, I think Matt Breida could be cut from this football team, shockingly. I would be very surprised only because the Buffalo contingent, when they got here to East Rutherford, they made it a high priority to bring Breida here. And he has tremendous speed. 
He does catch passes out of the backfield as a third down weapon if they want to give Barkley a little bit of a rest on certain situations if he needs a little bit. The other thing about Breida, he's also playing on all the special teams units. That's important. True. And that I did have Gary Brightwell returning kicks on Sunday. I think Brightwell will, by the way. I think that's a good call by you, and I don't know how many people realize that, but I think he's going to be the lead kickoff returner. Yeah, so I, I think Brightwell's on the team. And then, uh, again, Corbin may end up on the practice squad. I actually like I agree. Him. Uh, and so is Antonio Williams. So they carry four backs, Antonio Williams, and yes. sneak Corbin through to the practice squad. That's how That's I see it. All right, and the other reason I bring that up, Paul, last year of Saquon Barkley here, um, well, potentially. And I just – I could see them really not going as much by committee and using Williams in short yardage. And then you look up and you wonder – you know, do you need a Matt Breida if Saquon's healthy? But I guess you also can't count on that as well. So we'll see. It should be an interesting 24 hours. And, Paul, by the time we meet again, hopefully we have a better idea of what the 53 may look like and what else can be tinkered with. Uh, why don't you give everybody your Twitter handle here as we wrap episode one? At Giants WFAN. It's been that way now for 14 seasons, and I don't expect it to change anytime soon. <laughs> Jeez, Paul, I asked for the handle, not a story. No, I'm kidding. And you can follow me at Mraz CBS. So for those looking for fights in episode one, you didn't get it, but stick with us. We have a fun season ahead of Giant football on One Giant Step. Everywhere podcasts are downloadable and free on the Odyssey app as well. This has been One Giant Step. Sean and Paul, take care, everyone. <laughs>